Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. Week number six of our study about the blood covenant, and it's called, again, Under Contract. And... Um, I'm going to do something a little different. I'm not going to give you a whole bunch of stuff that, that on the front end of it. Because I'm trying to figure out how in the world, because I've learned that I am not a condenser. I am an expander. And so when I expand, I expand. And so oftentimes, at least in my head, I have this a clock that goes off in my head at 11.15. And when I'm not at that clock, I am like freaked out inside. And so I'm like, ah, because that's kind of when we're supposed to end service. But man, I, you know, I'm just expanding on everything. So I'm trying to condense. So if you've missed any of the past messages, go and listen to the podcast. Um, because we've been talking about, we've been learning what the blood covenant entails. And it's direct connection to our salvation. Okay? And... Um, you can listen to the podcast. You can study this little book that we've been given to you because uh, there are scriptures in there that we don't necessarily talk about in our messages, but it's more of a resource for you to, to kind of engage in this. And then also, um, uh, I think we, well, we, we might have had, we had uh, the book God Swears. I think we might have just sold out, but you can also get it on Kindle, which is a great uh, study of, of a book um, concerning this blood covenant that we're talking about. And so we want to do all this because, and I've said this, you'll hear this again and go, man, haven't we heard this already? But we want to do this because the more revelation we have on this, right, the more confidence and the more real this blood covenant becomes to us, that it becomes ours. And so, yes, we are, man, six weeks on one subject. But really what we're trying to do is we're just trying to build building blocks, to get us to a point where, we, you know, we can finish the series. But each time we're trying to just build upon each level so that we can grow in it. Because we can do one message on blood covenant and go, woo, yeah, praise God. But see, there's so much more and so much, so many things that make it so much deeper. Here I am expanding again. That, that, that makes it so much deeper that really you have to, to spend some time unpacking it all. And, and being able to pull it all apart. And so that's kind of what we're doing. So last week, this is what we learned last week, that our spiritual covenant is not exactly between us and God, okay? It's between God and Jesus. And we talked about that last week, right? Because Jesus came as our representative, and once and for all, he purchased, he sealed, and he mediates, right? He sustains this divine covenant or contract that we are um, able to walk into, because of who Jesus is, because of our faith in Jesus. And so that helps us when we walk into this relationship with Jesus, then that helps us to be able to be partakers of all of the privileges, all of the promises that God has made to us through his word that he swore, I will back up. I will make sure it happens. And so today we're going to um, zero in on the promises contained in the covenant which um, 2 Corinthians kind of gives us an idea. We've talked about the scripture already, but I'm going to read it. It says this, for all the promises of God, okay, not just some, but all, okay, every single promise of God, find their yes in him. Notice that it's in him that you find your yes. So if you're not in him or in Christ, do all of those yeses come to pass? No, not really. But see, we find the yes, the yes to the promise, if we are in him. Okay? Then it says, that is why it is through him that we utter our amen. That means that we accept them as our own. Because of who we are in him. Because of Christ, what Christ has done. It's putting our faith with his faith. Right? God declared it. So then now we have to come in alignment and join our faith with his faith in order for it to begin to, to be activated in our life. And so it says that utter our amen to, the to, to God for his glory. So when we walk these promises out and God answers these promises, who gets the glory? Who should get the glory? 
It should be God. It shouldn't be us. Because really, we don't deserve any of this. But because of what Christ did, we get all of these benefits. All of this full package of promises. Okay? So our title today is, All of God's Promises Are Yes. All of God's Promises Are Yes. Say it with me. All of God's promises are yes. Okay? Now, I don't know. Maybe for some, that, that might be a hard statement for you to make. Because you think, man, I, I know I've been around the road. I've been up and down. I've been in the valley. I, man, and I don't really know if God really comes through at all. Because of some of the stuff that I encounter and I walk through. But see, the more you begin to allow that to transpire. Just taking that, that, that 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. And read that every single day this week. And meditate on it. And let that just sink in as, you, as you're doing your, your, your job and you're doing the things that you do. Just keep remembering all the promises of God are yes and amen. To my amen, man, I, I agree that, man, Lord, you got it so that, that you get all the glory. I mean, just allow that to be a meditation of your heart. And I'm just going to tell you something. Man, all of a sudden you're going to start to really understand, yeah, that's true. Because, see, you, you're giving the Holy Spirit something to work with. That's so imperative that we give the Holy Spirit something to work with, right? See, the Bible says, or even Jesus, you know, the, the, the Word of God is our daily bread. Well, what, just go to the practical. Daily bread helps sustain our life, right? Gives us nutrition. So the Word of God is our daily bread. Well, yeah, but that's, how is that like daily bread? Well, that's what fuels or what the Holy Spirit uses to fuel your faith. When we take the Word of God and we get it inside of us, the Holy Spirit uses it, it fuels, fuels it. And so, man, our faith begins to, to ignite because now all of a sudden we've got this, this Word of God that's activated in our life and it's, it's, it's just going crazy. But see, this is such a cool scripture. I love this scripture because I get excited when I read this scripture because when I think about it, here Paul is saying, man, you know what? All of God's promises are true and trustworthy. Right? He doesn't say one thing and mean another. He absolutely, if he promised it, he will do it. So, in a nutshell, I think the message version says this. He says it this way. What God says he means and means what he says. So, what God says he means. And he means what he says. This is what Psalms 138.2 says. I don't think it'll be up here, but it says, He has magnified His Word even above His name. Now let that sink in. He's magnified His Word even above His name. Well, God's name, you would say that's pretty high, right? You would say, man, that's, man, that's the, the, that's the pinnacle. But see, God looks at it and says, well, no, you know what? My Word that I have spoken, the promises that I have decreed, the promises I have let out of my mouth, they're even higher than my name. I give more weight to that. Wow. Right? And, and where do we find his word that he's released? Right here. Right? A lot of times we think, well, man, he's not talking. He's not talking. He's, I, I don't, can't hear God. I don't know where God is. And God's like, well, just open up your Bible and I'm right there. I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to begin to let that sink into you. And so all of a sudden, man, I can start doing some things in your life. But when we look at it, though, again, sometimes we'll, we'll look at it and we have to answer these questions that are totally kind of le legitimate. But, you know, the enemy comes and our minds begin to think, well, yeah, but all, are all God's promises really yes for me? Because, you know, I know my life. I know the things I've done in the past. I know the things that, that man, man, even I still struggle with today. I still have issues, Right. It might be anger like me and driving my car and people driving too slow and all that stuff. It might be, you know, other things that pop up or arise and you're always like, ah, God, I just want to break free of this thing. But, but see, we have to understand that, you know, God, God, God's a God who keeps his word, right? And that he is still wanting to be very much active in your life. In every situation that you encounter. So even if you still got issues in your life, okay? Even if you still got things that you're battling, 
But if you continue to keep your heart right before the Lord, then the Lord wants to actively be involved so that his promises are really practical and relevant and and being performed in your life. See, don't discount yourself. Jesus knows where you're at. But see, if you keep yourself in a position of constantly coming back to him in humility and saying, yeah, I still struggle with this. He's like, yeah, I know you do. But I haven't given up on you. And that means, you know what? The promises are still yours. They're still yours. I'm still ready to activate them. All you got to do is walk in them, right? So we can experience the promises of God in our lifetime. Not just when we get to heaven, right? Because everybody's excited about getting to heaven. And that's the promise. He said we'd go to heaven. Yeah, we got that one. But when it comes down to all the practical things on our daily, daily life, A lot of times we don't think that they really apply to us, but they do. They can apply to us in our lifetime. And we have to just begin to learn to receive and then activate them so that that they happen in our life. And that's kind of why we're trying to kind of walk through all of this, okay? So in order to answer kind of those, those questions, we must understand how final, okay? Say the word final. Okay, you know, final is like final, right? Like that final, okay, right? We must understand how final all of the legal contract stuff or the covenant stuff, we have to understand how legal contract stuff is that allows God to say yes to all these promises, okay? So he, he's, he's developed this thing. And when we understand that, you know what? God can make this broad statement because of what Jesus has done for us, right? And he knew that way before time. He knew this, this was all kind of planned out. He had it all kind of already navigated out. But see, for us, we, we have this opportunity then because of what Christ has done and, and God's made this broad statement for us to kind of fit ourselves right into that, that little pocket right there and say, yes, amen. God, what you said is true. Let every man be a liar, but let God be true, right? Let God's word be the spoken word that guides and directs my life more so than what man does. Man's deceiving, right? Man's deceptive. But see, God's word is constant. It remains forever. What is it? The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God stands forever. See, that, that's kind of the thing where... I go, whoa. So if it stands forever, that means the promises stand forever. But, but it's understanding, you know what? It's all because of Jesus. And when we made Jesus the Lord of our life, that means we are now in Christ. Right? So we have the ability to claim all the promises. Because we're in Christ. We're in Him. And so let's look at Galatians chapter 3. Um, to kind of understand that the legal contract has already been cleared in the courts of heaven. Okay? It's already been cleared. All the legalities of it have been cleared in the courts of heaven. God is like the, the, the judge. The gavel has come down. He says yes to every single promise that there is. And there is, that's the final thing. Right? There's no, no changing it. Because God in heaven, the judge has said, man, let's do it. So let's, let's read this kind of with that in mind. Galatians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. Now, we've, we've read this a couple times already in some of our messages, but we're going to kind of d- dig down deeper, okay? So it says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. So today, what we want to do is we want to unpack three things, okay? We're going to unpack the curse of the law, the blessing of Abraham, and the promise of the spirit, okay? So this leads us to our very first point of the day, which is the curse of the law, Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to look at it, what it is, and how are we redeemed from it, okay? Because sometimes, you know, people will go, curse the law, yeah, I kind of don't get it. It's, you know, it's kind of out there. 
But one, we have to realize we've been redeemed from it. Okay? So, let's, let's look at it. So, whenever the Bible mentions the law, it's usually referring to the hundreds of, um, hundreds of commands given primarily in the first five books of the Bible. Okay? Genesis through Deuteronomy in, in, in that five-book collection, uh, it's called the Pentateuch. Say that one. Pentateuch? Okay? Or um, in the Orthodox circles, it's called the Torah. Okay? So now that way you can be really Bible literate, right? And say, oh yeah, that's the Torah. You know, and people are like, whoa, you know Orthodox stuff? You know, and you're like, no, not really. I just, that's what my pastor said. Anyways. Okay? So in, so in Galatians 3, though, right? Paul refers to the law as a curse, okay? He refers to it as a curse because it demanded an absolute and continuous obedience that no one could achieve. No one could achieve it in the human flesh. No one could, could, uh, could achieve. And so what it did, this curse of the law promised supernatural negative consequences, okay? Or, or curses, on all those who fail to obey the commandments of God. Automatically. You think, wow, well, that's pretty tough, God. What's up with that, man? But see, God's also a God of justice. So he said, hey, what I want you to do in order for you to, to live free from the curse of the law, I need you to walk in holiness, in purity. Man, that's hard to do in our human flesh. Really, 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 really hard. And we know this disobedience is called sin, right? Everyone knows that. Sin is disobedience, not obeying what God has to say. But when we walk in sin, then we are opening ourselves up. We're, we're, we're being more vulnerable to the curses taking place in our life. Because we're allowing sin to be the guiding factor in our life, which is not what God wants for us. He doesn't want sin to be the guiding factor in our life. He wants righteousness. He wants us to be living according to his word. Now, will we mess up? Yes, but praise God, we got Jesus because Jesus came and took away our sin. And all we got to do is go to him, confess our sin, faithful and just, forgive us of our sin, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Wow, that's a great promise, isn't it? So wouldn't that be included in the promises of God? Oh, yeah. See, we're, we're okay with that. But see, then it come, there's all these other things, and we'll get, we'll get a little more into that in, in a minute here. Okay? But you can, and I, I mentioned this a while ago, you can look at Deuteronomy 28, and there's all these verses. In fact, verses 15 through 68 that outline all of the circumstances. So if you want to go back later and, and read that, please do. Because it'll outline all of the circumstances of, of one's disobedience to the law. Okay? But, but what it does, if I'll give you the short version of it right now. Okay? But, we, but what it does is it reveals that the curse of the law as poverty, sickness, and death in every area of life. Right? Now, it's not just financial poverty. It might be your, your soul is experiencing poverty. Right? You got all of this stuff that's just empty inside. Where you're just feeling it like, oh, God, I know there's, there's something so much more. But man, I just feel like I'm constantly in this. I got this hole in my life. There's sickness. Right? We can think of physical sickness. But man, there's mental health problems. There are all kinds of stuff that can happen. But see, that's how basically, in a nutshell, putting it all together, how the curse of the law is described. It's poverty, sickness, and death. Who, who wants to live in that? No one's raising their hand. I'm surprised. I'm shocked. Right? Nobody wants to live in that. So here we have the New Testament that tells us that Christ accomplished what no one else could finish or could do. He absolutely 100% did not walk in sin. He did not. The Bible says that he was tempted in every way. Just like you and me. But he lived this perfect lifestyle. He lived, he fulfilled the law. Let's just say it that way. He fulfilled the law and he was absolutely and completely sinless. 
He knew no sin, right? So you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. It says, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, so that we would be the righteousness of God in him. I didn't think that was going to be on the board, but it is. But see, it says, for he made him who knew no sin. Jesus knew no sin. But see, Jesus took upon the sin. He, 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 he exchanged our sin and took it and said, okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to exchange. I'm going to take your sin, and then I, what I'm going to give you is my righteousness, my ability, or how I walk this out in purity. Yeah, but you say, well, Pastor Scott, yeah, but still, I, I still struggle with things. Yeah, well, that's because we're a work in progress, Right? Don't think, man, you automatically become perfect and you will never do anything again. No, see, that's the thing that Jesus knows about us because he was a man. And he knows that we still kind of struggle with things. But see, as long as you keep yourself in this work in progress, as long as you keep building your life and your relationship with him, man, he's going to help you walk it through to the point where, man, you're going to start living in victory over things that you never thought you could live in victory over. Whatever you're addicted to, all of a sudden, man, he's going to start helping you. And that, that craving, that desire, that want is going to be, begin to be separated from you. And you're like, wow, I, I could never do that on my own. But it's because you have the Holy Spirit in you. You have Jesus in you. And, he, and he's breaking those things off of, of your life. So he fulfilled the law, right? And then secondly, Galatians 3 tells us that he redeemed us. Okay? He redeemed us. Meaning Jesus exchanged, again, his sinless life and paid the price for our freedom. And if you remember from last week, I talked about how that meant that, 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 that word redeem was somebody who would go into the slave market and pay for the person who was a slave in order to take them out so that they could be free. That's what Jesus did. Jesus went in, paid the price on the cross so that, that we could now be set free from a life of sin, from the consequences of sin. Do you realize that? You can be set free from the consequences of sin. Again, it doesn't mean you're perfect. But what it means is, you know what? You don't have to live in the consequences of sin. You can come to him at any time and be able to say, man, I blew it. I messed up. And I want to serve you. Forgive me of my sin, man. I, I want to change the way I'm thinking. I want to change my life. And you know what? He's right there. And he says, man, absolutely. I'm with you. I will help you. Just keep pressing into me. Oftentimes what happens is we don't keep pressing in. Right? We just figure helicopter Jesus comes in, saves us from that moment, and then he flies back out. But see, what we should do is jump in the helicopter with him and fly with him. I mean, makes sense. Right? So he paid the debt for us because we were in the consequences of our sin. That's the curse of the law. And it says he, because he became a curse for us. Think about that. He stepped in to be the curse, right? For all the ramifications of the curse, he stepped into that. He became a curse for us. So Jesus removed us from being vulnerable to all of the consequences of sin. He did. That's how powerful he is. But see, we got to stop opening ourselves up to those opportunities. We've got to come back to him. We've got to, you know, start putting ourselves in a place where, you know what, we're no longer walking in sin. In fact, sin is, becomes distasteful to us. Like it's, ah, it doesn't taste good anymore. We've got to get to that point. But see, when we do cross the line, then we jump right back into his arms. And man, make sure that we're talking to him. This is what Romans 8, 8, 3 and 4 says. Now, this is in the Passion Translation. It says, for God achieved what the law was unable to accomplish. Right? Remember, so the law was put there. It was these guidelines and all that. So God, it says, God achieved what the law was unable to accomplish because the law was limited by the weakness of human nature. Okay, so human, us, we can't pull it off. On our own, we can't pull it off. See, that's the problem with society today. The society thinks, hey, I can pull this off all on my own. I can do it all on my own. Right? 
I mean, they think, hey, man, I got it dialed in. I'm good. But see, the problem is that's not how this all works because all of us as humans are weak. We can't pull off everything. We can't do it. We need help. It says, yet God sent his son in human form to identify with human weakness. So here he is. He's like, I got the answer. It's in Jesus. So he sends his, his son in human form to identify with human weakness, clothed with humanity. God's son gave his body to be the sin offering so that God could once and for all condemn the guilt and the power of sin. Verse 4. So now every righteous requirement of the law can be fulfilled through the anointed one. I love this. Okay, who's the anointed one? Jesus, right? Jesus is the anointed one. And it says, so now every righteous requirement of the law can be fulfilled through the anointed one. It's not because of you. It's nothing you can do other than you going to Jesus. And Jesus said, hey, I took care of it for you. I took care of the curse of the law for you. All because of who Jesus is. And, and, and what's so great about it is so now every righteous requirement of the law has been fulfilled through the anointed one. Where does he live? In us. Right? Living his life in us, in you. So he's living his life in you, giving you the power and the ability to overcome the curse of the law because of your faith in Christ. So I don't have to live a lifestyle of sin all the time. I can live a lifestyle of, 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 um, of, of, of power over the enemy. Because he lives in us. Turn to your neighbor and say, he lives in you. And it says, and we are free to live. Why? Because he lives in you. You are free to live. Like, you know, you're waiting for the, um, what is it, Southwest, Southwest Airlines, ding! You are free about to move, move about the country, okay, right? So, ding, right? And you are free to live, not according to your flesh. Wow, because Christ lives in you, you have the ability to overcome your flesh. You have an ability to tell your flesh, flesh, no, you can't have that. You can't do that. Because why? He lives in you. And it says, but by the dynamic, oh man, that's so good. And we are free to live, not according to our flesh, but by the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit. The dynamic power of the Holy Spirit lives in you. The Holy Spirit wants to talk to you. He wants to put those little things and say, don't go, don't do that. Don't go there. No, you know what you're supposed to do. But see, we've got to live outside. We can't live according to the flesh. We've got to live according to the Spirit. And we'll get into that a little bit more, right? So in other words, Jesus came to do and did what no other human could do. So that he could turn around and pay the price for what every human has done. So he came in to do what no other human could do, but in order to turn it around so that he could pay the price for what every human has done, me included. I'm not as, I know I walk around with a halo, right? But man, I'll tell you what, that halo has been tarnished before, way before. Well, I didn't even have a halo at times, right? So, but we have to realize it's a done deal. Right? We have been delivered from the curse of the law. It's a done deal because of Jesus. Right? You and I can be completely free from the curse of the law. So that we can get to the second point. So that we can walk into the blessings of Abraham. Right? So we're trying to just give you an understanding of what these four, three things are. So we've got the curse of the law. So God said, hey, man, you know what? You can't, you got to live this way. There was no way that we could live this way other than when Jesus came and he was able to. But see, when we don't live this way, then we have sin in our life. We open the door, the opportunity and stuff from the, the curse of the law comes. Right? Now, because of what Christ has done, now the blessings of Abraham can come into our life. 
Now, we have to realize that Abraham was promised this blessing about 400 years before the law was even given. Okay? And Genesis 12 records this. Genesis 12, chapter 1, verse 3. It says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, while some of these promised blessings are specific to Abraham's life, the broader implications outline God's progressive plan for salvation. Okay? And we'll look at that in just a second. This, this broader plan for the redemption in, in these following ways. First, in verse 1, Abraham was required to separate himself from outside influences of family, traditions, and cultures. So basically what he was trying to do is basically, you know, how many know that sometimes, you know, you got people in your life or in your family that just don't, don't serve Jesus, right? And so it's not that you don't love them and you don't hang out with them per se, but you just don't live the lifestyle they do. So he's telling Abraham, hey, you need to separate yourself. You need to make sure that, you know what, you're not living the way they're living. You got to live the way I'm telling you to live. And being, being put, putting yourself in, in good positions, not in positions, well, you know, but, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to compromise all the time because I, you know, they're family and I'm, I'm going to, no. He needed Abraham to separate himself in such a way that, you know what, he even told him, hey, go to another land. Now, I know you could say, well, wait a minute, Pascal, what are you saying? Like, I just got to, like, leave my family all alone and just not even talk to them and just, hey, man, I'm just living for Jesus. And so, yeah, yeah, see you later. No, I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is that the Holy Spirit working in your life will say, hey, yeah, you know what? Maybe you shouldn't hang around or shouldn't be doing what they're doing just because they're doing it. Right? Then, you know, you, you, got, you got traditions, you got culture, you got all these things. I mean, we're, are, are we supposed to be doing everything that the culture does? No. Right? There are certain things. I mean, you could literally get into the whole political aspect of stuff nowadays. And just because the culture, political-wise, says, no, this is the way, scripturally, it doesn't even add up. It's not, it doesn't even go with scripture. And so, he's saying, you know what? Don't get caught up in all that. Live by the standard that I'm going to give you. Live by the standard of what God's word has to say. What I'm telling you, Abraham. Don't live according to the culture. Because he lived in a culture that was not a culture that, that served God. He didn't really even know God when God showed up and started talking to him. He didn't even know God. Yet, God's saying, hey, in order for us to really live a life that's consecrated, that's set apart, this is what I'm going to need you to do. And see, he does that with us. When we come to Jesus, doesn't he? He says, hey, you can't live that life of sin anymore. You can't live that life that, that continues to drag you down a road that, that causes you to just be in disobedience to me. If you really believe and you really have given your heart to me, then you know what? You need to start following the directions. Start following the leading of, of the Holy Spirit in your life to the point where you know what? you're no longer bound and, and, and doing the things that are wrong. You're doing the things that are right now. And so he, he just tells Abraham, hey, you know what? Separate, separate, separate yourself. And then the second thing was that he promised out of him, out of Abraham, would come a great nation. And we know that that is, you know, Israel it was that great nation. But they weren't just going to be a nation. His descendants weren't just going to be a nation. But it says, who would be known to the world, right? And be blessed of God. God said, not only, not only are you going to have descendants, but you know what? They're going to be known to the world and blessed of God. Where they're going to go, wow, there's something different about you. I don't know what it is, but there's something, that you, you know, you tell me. I, I, I don't, I, maybe, maybe it's because I'm, I'm weird looking. I don't really know. But man, there are many times I am somewhere and I got people staring at me and I'm thinking like, why are you staring at me? 
I, you know, I'm not, you know, Brad Pitt or somebody that's really good looking or anything like that. But it's like, why are you staring at And man, I'm telling you, I, this is just me, but I, I really feel that sense sometimes that the, that the Holy Spirit is speaking through me, even though I'm not speaking. Just kind of like feel like there's something different. I don't know what it is. Now, that's just me. The Lord hasn't revealed that to me and showed me in a cloud or anything like that. But, 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 but I don't know if you, if you understand what I'm talking about. There's just times when people get attracted to you and you're like, why? But it's because, you know what, there's something about that's on your life. There's a grace, there's a, 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 a presence of God on your life that just tr- attracts people to you. Right? And we think, man, this is crazy. But see, God's all, no, that's part of my plan. Right? And so I, there have been times I've, I've been challenged, and I'm just going to tell you I failed. But there's been times where, where it's like, hey, go talk to them. I should go talk to them because they're staring right at me. Just like, my, you know. But I think, oh, that's going to embarrass them. That's going to, you know. But I, I don't know. Anyways, I'm just kind of rambling on that point. Expanding again, right? Okay. So they are going to be blessed of God. They're going to be known in that, right? And then, then it gets even greater. It says blessing to others on behalf of God in verse 2. It says they're going to bless others. See, so God's whole plan is the fact that, you know, not only are, are he, is he blessing us, but then we're turning it around and, and blessing others. And then thirdly, God promised to continually working through that blessed nation until, listen, all the families of the earth were blessed. All the families of the earth were blessed. See, he's laying out his salvation, this redemption package to Abraham. And this is like way before Jesus. He's laying this thing out. And then, then Paul identifies the blessing of, of Abraham. Listen to this. When Paul, Paul says this in Galatians, but he identifies the blessing of Abraham as God's eternal salvation package, secured and sealed by the finished work of Jesus, and then offered to mankind through the promises found in God's word. Man, see how God has it all laid out? I mean, he just knows what he's doing. And we think, no, I know what I'm doing. But he says, no, I, I know a little more than you do. He, at least that's what he tells me. Because I'm always like, yeah, I know what I'm doing. And he's like, no, you don't, Scott. Sorry. But he's very gracious, right? And very loving. But, but that's the whole thing. So, so the blessing of Abraham, okay? So we know what the curse is. Sickness, poverty, death. The blessing of Abraham then is the eternal salvation package. Secured and sealed by the finished work of Jesus for our life. So when we accept Jesus into our life, guess what? One, the curses are removed. Two, we are now in the blessings of Abraham. That we can be blessed. We can be a blessing to others. But the salvation package comes. And then we're supposed to be telling others about Jesus so that they become part of the family. It's just, just this thing that God's got going. Let's read in Galatians chapter 3, verse 8. And then uh, verse 14, it says, And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, I love, I, I love this, preach the gospel beforehand to Abraham. Wait, well, what's the gospel? The good news. The good news of Jesus. That's the gospel. So here you have God preaching to Abraham, even though you don't read it and say, oh, he mentions Jesus' name. He mentions this. No, no, no. So what he was saying in verse, when he was talking to Abraham in, in, that, in that Abraham's blessing, he was saying, you know what? Hey, I'm preaching the gospel. One's going to come that's going to save the entire world. Okay? So it says, preach the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, if you shall all, well, in you, sorry, in you, all the nations shall be blessed. Okay? So, you know, Abraham really didn't understand what he was talking about, probably. But here's God kind of dropping this hint that he was going to bring blessing and salvation to the whole earth. Verse 14. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. Guess what? We're Gentiles. Right? Unless we were born Jewish. We are Gentiles. So that means there's blessing for those who are Gentiles. That's us. 
And this is what Peter was referring to in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. It says this. Everything we could ever need for life and godliness has already been deposited in us by his divine power. That means naturally and spiritually, there is no lack in your life. If you have a relationship with Jesus, that means naturally and spiritually, you have everything you need for life and godliness. Everything. Yet, we tend to allow the enemy to tell us we don't have everything for life and godliness. But see, Scripture right there, Second Peter's explaining, no, no, you have, you have absolutely everything you need for, for the natural and you need for the spiritual. It's all there. For all this was lavished upon us through the rich experience of knowing Him, who? Jesus who has called us by name and invited us, right? Called us by name. I mean, think of that. Even before you gave your life to Jesus, he was already calling your name. He already knows your name. I mean, that phantom that, okay? But he says, invited us to come to him through the glorious manifestation of his goodness. Verse four, as a, as a result of this, he, was, he has given you, okay? Think about it. He has given you. Say, he has given me. Magnificent promises that are beyond all price so that through the power of these tremendous promises, we can experience partnership or be partakers of with the divine nature. Meaning that Jesus' DNA is transforming us into his very own likeness. But see, man, it's already there. But see, we lack the knowledge sometimes to know that. We lack the faith sometimes to believe that. Man, I'm a child of God. Therefore, I've got the DNA of Jesus in me. And man, you know what? These precious promises, these things that God's promised to me, I can have, I, I, I mean, I can have my life changed. I don't have to keep living the way that I'm living. I can have my life changed because of who he is in me. So it says, with this divine nature by which you have escaped Again, you remember the Redeemer pulled you out, paid the price, right? Acquitted you, set you free from the curse of the law, okay? Which you have escaped corrupt desires that are of the world, right? So God's plan was to, to send Jesus to deliver us from this sinful mess, right? This sinful mess that we have an ability to jump into so, so often, so easily, Right? But it's part of that eternal salvation package of the blessing of Abraham. And so when we ask Jesus to be our Lord and Savior, we are automatically put into that blessing, automatically put into the blessing of Abraham's. And we are able to receive all, not just some, not just a tiny, tiny bit, but some, all, all of what God has for us. All of it. So that we, he, he delivers us so we can live a different life. We don't have to keep living the life that, that we're, 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 you know, just kind of feel like we're on the hamster wheel. Going around and around and around. That leads me to the third one, the promised spirit. The promised spirit. Galatians 3.14 says, so that we might receive, right? So we've been delivered from the curse of the law. We now are under the blessing of Abraham. And then it goes a step farther. Not only are we under the blessing of Abraham, but in the blessing of Abraham, we're also going to receive the promised spirit through faith. Now, in this promised spirit, we want to break down two things because really we want this to make sense. And for you to kind of see how, how this works and why it's really so re relevant in your life. So the blessing of Abraham comes... So that you and I can be open to receive the promised spirit. Now, the word promise um, references both this. Now, let's, listen, this is important. What God promises, this is what it's referencing when it says promise. What God promises, okay, that's what we've been talking about, right? And then, and the assurance that the promised thing will be done. So, yeah, you could say, yeah, God, Pastor Scott, great. God promises stuff. That's awesome. But see, the second part of that promise is us being so concretely confident that he will do what he said he will do that man there is there's no there there's no question about it and so it 
we're going to look at this in, in kind of a different way, just so, and hopefully you'll get an understanding of this. But, but how does that this concrete, this assurance, it covers it in two layers, okay? The very first layer is general promises. General promises. These are broad, clear-cut commitments given to every Christian to counteract the curse of the law through the finished work of Jesus. Okay, so he, these are basic, general promises. Okay, and you think, well, what, what do you, exactly do you mean by that? Okay, well, Psalms 103, we're going to uh, read, read the scripture up here in just a second. But Psalms 103 is a great scripture to understand the benefits or the promises, the general promises that God has said he would give. So let me, let me read this. Psalms 103. It says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his what? Benefits, okay? Replace benefits with promises, right? Okay? Forget not all of his promises. Now, he's going to lay it out right here. These are the general promises. So he's telling you, this is what I will do for you. This is what I am committed to do. Who forgives you of all your iniquity? Wow, that that could be enough right there. Or you could just stop and go, wow. Right? He takes away your sin. That's what he's saying. I'll, I'll forgive your sin if you would just come to me. But then, so that's a general promise. Right? Then it says, who heals all your diseases? Who redeems your life from the pit? What it means like there is the fact that, you know what? Sometimes, man, we just make bad choices, bad decisions. Right? And it feels like our life is in the pit. But you know what? He says, man, I'll redeem your life from the pit. Remember, redeem means pull out, paying for. I'll, I'll get you out. Okay? Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. So remember, we're ex- this is general. He's saying, I'll, I'll do this all the time. I'm committed to this. Verse 5. Who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like eagles. So as a Christian, we never have to wonder what God's will is. We don't. I mean, I don't know if you've ever said that to me in your head. Well, what's God's will? What, 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 what's God thinking? Well, this, this is giving us what God's thinking, right? He's going, he's going to forgive us. He's going to heal us. He's going to replenish. He's going to extend mercy and favor. He's going to bring rejuvenating fulfillment in our life. All because... God already said yes. He already said yes to the promises. So that gives you a foundation to his thinking. That, that is kind of the general promises. That's God's will. And that, that's just taken from one scripture right there. But man, that covers a lot, doesn't it? When you think about it. And then there are specific promises. Now, specific promises are detailed and personal commitments given by the Holy Spirit. To customize God's general promise for an individual, a family, or a group. Now, for example, I'll, I'll give you this. This kind of hopefully gives you an understanding a little bit. Genesis chapter 15 says this. Okay, so this is the Lord talking to, to Abraham again. He said, On that day the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, To your offspring I will give this land from the river of Egypt to the, river, to the great river, uh, the river Euphrates. The land of the Kenites, the Kenanites, uh, man, there's so many ites on here, I probably will mess it up. So, you know, just get the intention, it's the ites, the ites family, right? But there is one that I, I, I noticed, keep going, keep going, go, go, keep. so you got all these ites, and then where does this guy come from? Right here, he's got no ites in his name. I, I was like, wow, check that out, no I. that's so random, but anyways, okay, so all of these things, he said, you know what, I, I'm going to give it to you. Then it says, verse 21, the Amorites and the Canaanites, the Jebusites and the Jebusites, okay? All the sites, right? Now, God eventually did prove faithful to that promise. It took 400 years, right, in order to get there. But see, as New Testament believers, we can't expect that we can just walk into that land and say, that's our land now. Sorry, we can't do that because it wasn't promised to us. God said, I didn't promise to you. I promised it to Abraham, right? And to his, his, his family, to his descendants, which is Israel. But not to us. So we can't walk in and say, well, that's our land now. 
God promised it in that. that, that that's it. They laugh at us. They think, yeah, no, that, that ain't happening. Sorry, man. Okay? But see, he didn't, he, didn't, he didn't promise us that. But God did promise that he would give us a place to live. He'd give us a place that, that he would provide for us. He would care for us. Right? So there is a general promise. And then there are some specifics that we need to pay attention to. Right? So that God can say, this is how I'm going to, f- to fulfill the general promise. So when he's talking about specific promise, he's talking about this is how I'm going to fulfill it in your life. And that could be different for every single one of us. The specific promise. So God says, this is how I'm going to do it for you. This is how I'm specifically going to do it for you. And we get this, right? Because every parent understands the difference between general and specific promises. Because as a good parent, right, we're expected to, to perform the good, the, the general promise to our child and children by providing for them, right? By giving them, um, you know, food, clothes, shelter until they reach adulthood. That's just the general promise, right? When you're a parent, you're like, yeah, man, I'm going to do whatever it takes to give you food. I'm going to give you whatever it takes to provide for you, clothes, shelter, whatever it is. But then when you turn a certain age, then I'm going to let you go ahead and, and you can start landing on your feet and doing what you need to do. We all get that. Because if we don't do the general promises as a parent, then, you know, we can get in trouble. Right? DSS showing up your door. Hey, buddy. Right? But see, so we get that kind of general promise. And but, so, like, let me give you this quick, kind of this quick scenario. But what if, like, your four-year-old comes up and asks, hey, uh, I really like ice cream for breakfast. Um, you know, and being the good parent you are, you say no. Okay? So are you breaking? Oh, so, so you say no, but then you say, well, no, let's get something more nutritious. Like Fruit Loops. No, I'm just kidding. That's not nutritious. Um, who knows? But Fruit Loops are good, though. All right? But, but you say, no, I got something more nutritious for you. We're going to do it this way or whatever. So as the parent, are you negating the general promise? No, because you gave them a more nutritious option, right? Because that's the general promise. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to make sure that you're, you know, growing up and doing what you need to do. Okay. And, I, and I'm not saying, by the way, that, you know, hey, you, we can't have ice cream. There's no ice cream ever in this house. Or, hey, maybe one day on vacation, we might have ice cream for breakfast. Man, wouldn't that be awesome? Right? Make sure it's on vacation, though. Don't do it on a day of school because your teachers would be really, really upset. Right? But that's just, you know, who knows? Maybe you have a kid that's totally mellow and it doesn't necessarily work that way. But I, I think probably for our kids, that probably would be terrible, huh? <laughs> yeah. Anyways, okay? So, but what happens though where where you understand that you know what? Okay, so I'm not going to give my kid this, but I'm going to give him some nutritious stuff. Right? So, it's because you felt like that ice cream for breakfast just wasn't going to work. Right? It wasn't going to be it's not the best, it's not the most nutritious thing for your kid. So even though you're not doing what the child wants, right? The general promise was fulfilled even though the specific request was denied. Right? Because you went another direction. But see, this is where um, many Christians kind of get this, get this confused because they say, well, God, I want this. And God says, I didn't promise you could have that, this specific thing. Like, man, I want my Porsche 911, right? I, man, but God said, I, I didn't promise you that. I promised I would take care of you. I promised I would meet your needs, okay? And, you know, and he's saying, you know what? I'm not giving it to you because I love you. Because, God, you couldn't afford the payments. And if it broke down, you couldn't afford the parts to fix it, right? And it's true. There's no way I could. But, man, would I really look good in one of those, Right? But see, God, God is just looking after us, right? So my general promises, this is what God would say. My general promises are I will take care of you, but I may not take care of you the way you want or how you want or when you want, okay? 
But see, that's where these, these special promises come in, or the specific ones. Let's go back to our ice cream scenario. And let's say the night before, we'll say me, dad, hey, we're going to have ice cream in the morning, because Heather would never go there at all, right? But comes and says, hey, we're going to have ice cream in the morning. And so the kid gets up, and, he, and, and, and he's all excited about ice cream. So would denying them from having ice cream for breakfast be a violation of my promise? Think about it. Would it be a violation of a promise? Well, generally speaking, no, it wouldn't. Because I'm, I'm trying to say, hey, no. Hey, you need something nutritious, right? You, I need to take care of you. So generally, right, it's not. But specifically, a promise was made. That, I could, that they could have ice cream in the morning. But here's the deal. Oftentimes we don't think about the fact that there takes, sometimes in, in this scenario, it takes the ability to say, okay, hey, you need to meet certain requirements in order for me to provide for you, in order for me to, to be able to give you that. So what if, what if, I said, hey, so in order to make that happen, you need to get up, no fussing. You need to get up on time. You need to have brush your teeth. You need to be all of this. Yet, when I wake him up, he fusses, doesn't want to brush his teeth, slow, lethargic, or whatever, and he breaks that ability for me to do it. That, that was the requirement that I had set for him. Hey, so we're going to have this. See, we don't necessarily know all the, 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 the story of it. Okay, and so what happens is then I'm not necessarily breaking the general thing and, and because of his actions, I can't give him the specific promise because I've made some things. Well, sometimes when it comes, comes to God, the same, the same thing holds true because it's not God breaking the promise. It's our actions. Sometimes we don't do what God's telling us to do. For an example, you know, oh man, you know, God says that he would give me health. And so I'm like, all right, man, I can be healthy. Praise God. I can eat all the McDonald's I want. I can eat all the sugar I want. I can eat all the pastries I want. I can eat all the things I want. And man, it's going to be all good. It's all whatever because God said he promised me health. Well, generally, yeah. But specifically, the Holy Spirit might come to you and say, yeah, but you know what? You need to lay off of this. And you need to lay off of that. And you need to lay off of this and that. What? Huh. No, generally God said he would heal me. He would take care of my needs. But the Holy Spirit is like, no, 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 no. There are specific things that you need to do in order to help the general promise come to pass. And that's him speaking to you and revealing to your heart, what is it? What, 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 are, what are those things? Because see, God is not going to break his promise. But see, a lot of times it's our actions that end up not allowing the promise to come to pass in our life, right? And see, so what happens is, is then we become people who say, well, see, you know, that specific thing is not happening, so then therefore the general is not happening. A lot of Christians do that. See, God doesn't answer his promises because you know what? That specific thing that I wanted didn't happen. So therefore God doesn't answer any promises whatsoever. That's not true. He does. He absolutely 100% does. But see, we have to understand that we've got our part to play in all this. Right? But see, that's why it's so cool that he said that the promise of the Spirit would come. One, one, one more scripture for you. John chapter 16, verse 7. And we'll, and we'll call it, call, wrap it up. Okay? And this is the second part of that promise, that the blessing of Abraham came so that we could experience the joy of the promised spirit. Now, here's Jesus. He's talking to the disciples. He's promising to them that the Holy Spirit would come, right? And the Holy Spirit would supply three significant things to his followers, okay? He says this, John 16, 7, says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. This is Jesus talking to the disciples. For it, if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. That's the Holy Spirit. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now we'll go to verse 13, 
right? And when the spirit of truth comes, so the very first promise is that the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit is coming to you. The Holy Spirit is coming to you. Holy Spirit will live inside of you. That's the very first promise that he's saying, right? Right? He will come to you. Then it says, he will guide you into all truth. That's the second promise. He's going to guide you into all truth. He's not going to guide you into lies. He's not going to guide you into things that, that you're not, you know, that, that, that's not, not, not of God. He's going to guide you into all truth. So the Holy Spirit is inside of you to keep you on track. But we just got to listen. We're not very good at listening. He said, He will guide you in all the truth, for He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. So whatever He hears Jesus saying, whatever He hears God the Father saying, that's what He's going to speak. And God's not going to lead you astray. But see, sometimes what He speaks is tough for us to hear. Really hard. To the point where it's like, uh, no. <laughs> I don't think I want to go down that road. No, but see, if you go down that road, man, blessings come. God's, God's, you know, grace is on your life. No matter how hard it is. Okay, so he says, he will declare it. Uh, I'm see, whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. Verse 14, he will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So he's taking what is Jesus, right? And declaring it to you. So the Holy Spirit comes to you. He will lead you into exactly what you need to do. And as he's doing that, he will take what rightfully belongs to Jesus, right? All of the promises, because you remember this covenant is between God and Jesus. All of the promises that Jesus inherited, the Holy Spirit's job is to convince you that they belong to you. That's part of what he's doing. When you read a scripture, man, something lights up inside of you. And you're like, I never saw that before. Wow. That's really good. Who, who's helping you? The Holy Spirit. It wasn't just some rant all of a sudden, oh, randomly. No, it's the fact that the Holy Spirit's inside of you. And he's saying, hey, you need to hear this. You need this in your heart. You need to grab a hold of it. You need to, to begin to let it sit and, and, and grow inside of you. But see, all of that is because Jesus purchased this. Jesus purchased it when he went to the cross. All of these promises. So that we can have all of these promises. Now experience them in our life. Verse 15 says, and, 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 and the Father has it in me. Oh, I'm sorry. All that the Father has in, in mine, it has is mine. Okay? This is Jesus talking. Therefore I said, I'm, and then, he, you know, like he's saying it again. That he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All right? And that word declare basically means to bring up something again and again. And the last part of it, because it's this compound word means that a messenger that was sent on a special mission. Okay? Special assignment. So together, this describes the Holy Spirit as God's messenger, specifically sent to bring you a special message over and over and over and over repeatedly. That's his job. That's, it. That's what he's doing in us. So what's the message? That all of God's blessings have been provided you have been redeemed from all the consequences of sin. And you can escape all the corruption and live in a divine way because of the promise of God. Right? And the Holy Spirit has come to preach that over and over again to us. To help us show, right? To help us to make adjustments in our life so that we can experience all that God has promised to us. But see, we got to listen. We got to be open for him to, to, to talk and then be able to say, yes, I agree with you, Holy Spirit. Yes, I hear what you say. I hear what you're saying through the word. I hear what you're promising. I hear the specific of the general for my life. I'm hearing it. And see, once we start doing that, that's when our life begins to change. 
That's when we begin, begin to see these covenant promises come to pass in our life to where we're just like, wow, that's so powerful. And we'll, we'll get into it a little bit more next week. But man, it's, it's just amazing when we allow the Holy Spirit to be a guide in our life, to speak to us repeatedly over and over. And we listen. That's the key, right? It's just listening. And, and it's not as hard as we make it seem. Because sometimes we, oh man, we, it, it's really hard. No, it's not. A lot of times it, 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 he'll pop up in there and you know it's him. But we just got to listen and obey so that we can walk in these covenant promises. But understanding that, you know what? God's generally promised that he will be our provider. He will take care of us. He will um, do everything that he, that he, in his ability, which is everything, to, to take care of us. But the specific promise is sometimes you having to jump in and dig a little deeper and allow the Holy Spirit to talk to you and tell you, hey, this is how I'm going to get you there. This is how this is going to happen. And we have to say yes. Yes to it. for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.